How much time do you spend on the metaverse? And what is cooler, virtual reality or augmented reality? Welcome to Metaverse, your first stop for everything on the new frontier of metaverse and everything blockchain. I'm Chris Gillette and we'll explore and learn this new world together. So I read a couple articles recently about augmented reality and some new products from Snap. And I think to kind of kick it off, I want to say a little bit about what augmented reality is. Because I don't, I see it interchanged a lot with virtual reality, and they're two very different technologies. So, what is augmented reality? Well, it's it's a technology that allows you to interact with computer-generated objects in a real-world scenario. And there's a couple ways that that can happen. Currently, there are glasses out there that allow you to do that. Uh, you I'll commonly do it through your phone. There's lots of applications you've probably already used before that you don't realize are actually augmented reality. So kind of as a common example, if you play any video games on your mobile phone, you've probably played Pokemon Go at some point. But there's also Snapchat filters would be considered augmented reality. Pepsi recently had an ad campaign where if you were sitting at a bus stop and you look to one side or the other, they had created a screen that would make it look like there was monsters coming for you. And there's also a lot of more commercial or production-based uses for this for construction or interior design where you can place couches inside your living room and see what it would look. So augmented reality has been around for quite a while, but it's really starting to come into its own. And to add to its popularity, Snapchat actually, or Snap, released a new product called Custom Landmaker. And it's gives you the ability to create location-based AR experiences. And what's a location-based AR experience? Well, you could either use a, a high-tech phone like an iPhone that has LiDAR and scan the outside of your business or maybe the inside of your house and then put augmented reality objects within that environment. So then later on, somebody has the ability to potentially walk by your business front and scan a QR code and see these augmented reality objects that you've placed there. And they could be anything from a simple advertisement to maybe something that's interactive on your phone. Uh, the future is kind of wide open for this kind of technology, but I find it more interesting than your typical VR experience where it's a complete fantasy world. But the idea of potentially having these interactive objects and games in the real world. And these interactions are only going to get better as these AR glasses get better and better. Snap already has a pair that's really great. There's some more on the horizon from Apple. And I think uh, Google is also working on another pair. So with these new AR glasses with newer technology that have brighter pixels and higher resolution, it's going to be really exciting to kind of see what the future holds in with these AR glasses. And today to kind of talk a little bit more about this subject, we have a guest, Kristen. And Kristen is a part of a startup company that works with blockchain technology. And I thought it'd be kind of nice to have someone come in and interact a little bit about some of these topics. Hey, Kristen. Hey. <laughs> so um, we were kind of talking about these AR glasses, and I'm just kind of curious, what are your thoughts on on these? Are they going to be something that are going to be widely adopted, or do you think this is going to be something that people are going to be worried they're going to look kind of weird wearing well, augmented reality glasses on their face. Well, that totally depends. That depends on who 
I mean, there's a lot of different manufacturers out there, right? Like lots and lots of developers are trying to come up with AR glasses that will be mainstream accepted. Snap came out with their latest iteration and they, it sounds like they're pretty cool. They don't look hideous, but they're a, they, a they little s- futuristic, you yeah, know, they, like they still kind of have a little ways to go. They're, they're not as bad. I mean, they're not HoloLens. They're not uh, magic leaps. Like those were, those are crazy. I mean, HoloLens. Right. And you remember when Google Glass was out, everybody called those glass holes. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, you know, some of them are are better than others. But Google Glass like actually looked like glasses, so they got that. But they were more of like a heads up display. They yeah. weren't really AR. Um, the only AR ones, you know really out there that you're seeing people actually use or uh, HoloLens and and some people try like we had Magic Leap glasses and you know they were ugly as sin and they're heavy and they would you know cause me to have headaches after using them for just a little bit um you know they weren't very portable you weren't going to be like walking around town well they didn't work outside well you had to be inside the the amount of light was a huge factor but um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like what Snap has like was tested outside, which is kind of cool. So there's step one. Mm-hmm. Like, it's great if I can use these in my house, but it's even cooler if I can actually like go somewhere and then be useful, right? And kind of the direction that I feel like AR glasses are headed is where like it replaces your phone. You don't need your phone anymore. You're not tethered to this you know, thing in your hand all the time with your head down and you're not engaging in the real world, right? Like if you have AR glasses, that technology moves up, moves your head up and it it puts you back in the real world. I mean, that's been a huge, a huge problem for people. Like going out and, you know, going to dinner with your spouse or your family and everybody's looking at their phone, they're looking down and the waiter comes up to you and is like, hey, nice family dinner you got going here. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh yeah, sorry. You know, everybody puts their phones down yeah. and looks at each other like, oh, okay. Well, and I guess where the technology goes is eventually it may not even be glasses. It may be someday contact lenses. Oh, yeah. There's lots of, of development in that space, too. I mean, maybe it's that. Maybe it's an implant. I I don't know. I'm not afraid of any of it, but I know people who are. So, well, and one of the issues with AR glasses now is the ability to actually place those objects in kind of your field of view because you don't really have this... 3d construction of what's out there in front of you where it knows where to place it Well, that's the real struggle that's why you see hololens and magic leap that that's why they're so big like they have cameras on them and they have to process what they're seeing like what the cameras are actually you know picking up in the environment what they're scanning the the 3d mesh they're creating of your space so that the digital objects are actually like placed around the room or whatever so you know, that takes a lot of computing power, but eventually, and this is where Snap's going, um, they've, they've been pretty open about that. Like, they're not the only company doing it, I guess, but um, you need, in order for this next level technology to actually exist, you need a 3D map, a digital twin of the real world. Like, and when I say digital twin, I don't mean like a static, stale, one-time mapped 3D version of the real world outside, inside spaces, all of that. I, I mean like a, an actual digital twin that is constantly being updated. 
That's a really hard goal to achieve, but lots of people are trying to go after it. Snap is just one of those. And of course, they're a bigger company, so they're a lot more visible in that space. Niantic's another one. You know, they're trying to leverage the community that they've already made to help them build that map. I think there's a lot of problems with that. Um, I don't foresee them actually being able to achieve that goal personally. Well, but, are um, you thinking about that from the amount of data that is to collect, or is that like a like a legal issue, or, well, or there might be problems there? I because mean, there's always legal issues, right? You're, you're <laughs> showing up at Disney World and mapping out all of Disney, and then claiming that for yourself, or or putting objects in the digital version of Disney that Disney may not like. Uh, I mean, yeah, for sure. There's possible, you know, legal things that could happen there. Uh, I don't know how they would turn out because, I mean, you can't. I don't know I that they have a, a basis for, for that yet. Yeah, I don't know that they have a leg to stand on necessarily. I mean, I own my physical property, but maybe not my digital property. Uh, I mean, they're a big enough company that when there's actually a company that allows for you to map your digital space, they could easily map it themselves before anybody else gets a chance. But, you know, if you're a company that is actually doing that, you're probably going to be doing some mapping of your own before it hits market. Um, So there's a chance that they wouldn't own their own digital space because, you know, it'd be, it could be pretty easy for you to map something. Right. I mean, iPhones now have LiDAR in them. You can map all kinds of things with that. Well, I think there's, um, like, I think your early adopters are always people that want to play games on it. And my my first thought is it would be a lot of fun to play something like a Pokemon Go on, like, an AR headset where the Pokemon kind of hop out in front of you and you have yeah, to I mean, they do catch that. them that way or, or do something. Yeah, they do it now. But, you're just forced to do it through this portal that is your phone, right? Right, like, your phone's kind of a terrible interface it, for that. It's not great. It, you know, super limited field of vision, for example, which is, you know, it's it's fixable, but... But on the flip side, you know, are people going to be willing to walk around, you know, throwing virtual Pokeballs at Pokemon? That might or, look a little weird. Yeah, that might be kind of weird. But I think there's like commercial applications for it too. Oh, where for sure. And I, I think that's kind of where Snap's coming in. Like they've got back in 20, like April of 2019, they released this thing called um, Landmarks. It's a th- it's just another thing in their lens studio, right? Like, so uh, I don't know how much time you spend on um, Snapchat, but you know how they have all their filters and the custom creators can make filters in the lens studio and then just put them out there for people to play around with. And they, some of them are just like normal image filters that change color and hue and saturation and all of that stuff on an image. But some of them are like AR uh, face filters and that kind of thing. So they released Landmarks back in, like I said, 2019. And what that was doing was it started with like five landmarks, right? Like a building in New York, uh, the Capitol building, the, um, I don't know, the Eiffel Tower, right? There was a, a few of them. And they already had 3D models of these. And because they are such, you know, popular buildings, they know exactly where they're placed in this digital world they're trying to build. Like pinpoint accuracy, not GPS accuracy, okay? Because they're different. But right. pinpoint accuracy down to the percent of a millimeter, they know exactly where that thing is at. And they allowed these users back in 2019 to start 
building filters, like fun, whimsical little things like turn this building into pizza or make the Capitol building explode confetti or whatever, right? So you could do that, but it was kind of limited. And what they released this month, um, probably long overdue, to be honest with you, because, you know, COVID and all of that pushed probably things back. But um, now you can create like custom. Yeah, you can make advertisements or well, have it, a little pizza guy out but there. Of, of custom locations. Like you right. can you can actually map now. Like right. I can go to the local bookstore and map that bookstore with my iPhone using LiDAR and upload that 3D asset to their lens studio and then do stuff with it in AR. Right. So later on, you could have a pointer that tells you where certain books are or yeah. uh, if it was a storefront, it could tell you what they have on sale or the specials for the day. Oh, I got a new book on sale and, you know, right. have a little guy like doing a happy day. I don't know. Something but, they can do something that advertises that new thing, right? Like it's pretty cool. So yeah, there's a. I mean, advertising changes in this new world like significantly, and it's hard to imagine what that's actually going to look like. But what they're trying to build, what Snap is trying to build, what Niantic's trying to build, and other companies, right? They're all trying to build kind of that foundational component for next generation tech. Well, I think what it, what you're seeing is so you go on Facebook and you know Facebook is notorious for catering ads to you and and they're not the only ones. There's lots of like, you do anything on the internet and if you allow people to look at your information, they cater those ads to you. This is a way right now in the physical world, people hang their specials on their door at a restaurant or they tell you what's on sale, but they have no idea if they're hitting the mark with the person that's walking by or driving by at that moment. But this gives them an opportunity to kind of do the same thing Facebook's doing where they can now say, Hey, this guy eats chicken parm three times a week. He's searching up chicken parm recipes. We maybe, should probably show him some cholesterol ads. Maybe we should. Show, <laughs> well, I wasn't thinking that maybe, maybe some, some cholesterol medicine ads, but you know, when you drive by the Italian place, they might want to talk about chicken parm instead of eggplant. Yeah. But, yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that that's kind of where some of that's going from an advertisement standpoint. But it's it's a catered experience that anybody could turn on or off within within their headset or, well, or glasses, I should say, or, or yeah, I mean phone the, the or thing that they're using the interface with yeah, it. the thing that Snap is trying to build that map that digital twin of the real world that's the baseline that is kind of the the building block the foundation whatever you want to call it. Um, that all the next gen tech is actually built on. And if you're thinking, uh, you know, why does Snap actually want that thing? It's because that thing is obviously highly valuable, sought after. Um, and it's necessary. Yeah. Well, and my first thought is, you know, you hear the word digital asset a lot, which makes you think NFT and other things. So the, uh, the big question is, is this part of blockchain? And of course, it's part of the metaverse, but... I, I definitely do. You th I, I think this has a place on the blockchain because it gives maybe the community a little bit more control. So you don't. Well, that's have a the problem with companies like Niantic and Snapchat, for example, being a part of this equation. That's why everybody's so up in arms about Facebook, right? Because they're centralized exactly. and not, not distributed. I mean, the the reality is, you don't. We're in this time where we're all realizing it as users. You are 
not in control of your data. You don't own it. The second that you put it out on the internet, it's everybody else's and you have no ownership of that. And even if you right now, I mean, we have NFTs and people are kind of excited about where what that gives you. But right now, it's still not fully realized because I may have a certificate of ownership, but it points to a digital object housed at a centralized entity. Right. But in a true decentralized world, having people giving people the ability to hold those assets and to own those assets, whether it's their digital land or what they're displaying on that asset would be would be valuable on more of a blockchain network than I think a centralized because then you have more control over how that asset gets used. Yeah, it's yours. You should own it. Right. So exactly. Like actually own it, not pretend own it. The, right. If that company, like, you know, I, let's say I make an uh, NFT on OpenSea. If I make that, I'm uploading that digital asset to OpenSea and they're hosting. And as long as they're around, I have an NFT, you know, and I can trade it in their marketplace and make some money and, you know, all, things are good. But they're, these companies, they come and go. And right. you, you know, you hope that they'll be around. But in this particular in you know world we find ourselves in we're just not actually where we want to be yet you know with that we don't we don't own it yet we're close we're getting closer right. I, I mean the funny now, thing is a lot of that technology actually exists already it just hasn't been married up together yet like right. it's all separate pieces and parts and exactly when you hear people talk about the the metaverse where you know the the word metaverse gets thrown around a lot and you know everybody's definition of it's very different but it's because it's such a mix of it's a mix of technologies and you've got your AR and your VR and you've got video games and you've got virtual meet meeting spaces and stuff that actually exists in real life. And, and none of that's been fully married up yet. So it's all. Yeah. I mean, we're in the beginning stages. It's like, uh, it feels a lot like when we were kids and the internet was new, yep. you know, and, um, you know, you would go on, AOL and AOL is telling you like, hey, yeah, we're the we're the internet. We kind of right. laugh at that now, right? Like, so speaking of kids and the internet, um, so Deloitte actually did a study recently about how much time people are spending on their digital devices, and I won't go through all the numbers, but later on, if you want to look below. Or depending on what platform you're using for this, we'll make the link available. So if you want to get into the demographics and the cities and the countries that were all involved um, in the exact stats. But some of the stuff that I thought was interesting is uh, younger generations, uh, specifically Gen X, Gen Z, and millennials are spending over 10 hours a week playing games. And I remember when I was a kid, you know, if you did more than a couple hours, they were telling you that that was like, that was like absolutely horrible. And of course I, I fall into, you know, one of those three generations and 80% of all people are playing games some point during the week. And over 50% of people who uh, have a smartphone are actually playing a game every day at some point during the day on their Probably smartphone. Multiple times a day. So honestly. Oh, oh, I'm sure multiple. It's, I mean, it's easy. You got 10 minutes to kill and you pull, pull up a game and, it's an easy way to kind of kill that. Um, now, what I find that's interesting is in relation to other forms of entertainment, uh, they're saying that your streaming companies, your traditional television, 
and everything else are actually maybe going to be losing some market share because of this, because the younger generations aren't going there for entertainment. So, you know, I think back to when I was little, we didn't really have a whole lot of online games. There wasn't like online communities. There certainly wasn't anything like Sandbox or Decentraland or Second Life or anything like that. So, you know, we, we ate dinner and then we sat around the TV and we watched a program or two, um, as my parents called it. It was kind of weird. But anyway, so that's kind of what you did for entertainment or read a book. Um, and then when, you know, you played video games, if you played anything that had the slightest bit of violence in it, it was like going to corrupt you. So, you know, it was always super limited. But nowadays it's like because of the Internet, the kids have access to all this stuff and so much of it's free. I mean, Roblox is free and you're, you can have access to it and there's just a ton of content out there for people. And, you know, I guess it's kind of curious with, with all of that, these kids are actually, or these three generations, not all of them are exactly kids anymore. Say they prefer it over TV. It's, it's relaxing to them. Um, they like the self-expression that these, platforms give them well and the connectedness that it provides too, yeah. right like that's kind of the that's kind of the whole movement of technology the direction of technology right like our we, uh, our kids today are more connected than we ever were at that age you know we see that we i, I mean i see that in our own kids like you know the the way that our kids actually interact with each other is totally different. When we were growing up, we would go outside, we would play together. You know, we were blissfully ignorant of lots of things happening in the world around us. And kids today are woke. But that's how how does that happen? But that's how we connect too. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how we connected then. And I mean, even when I was older and, you know, I got to driving age, I couldn't wait to get my driver's license because I, kids today, that's not the case. That was how I connected. And, you know, it's funny kids today don't, don't care. Well, they're also more informed. They're also more informed about the dangers of driving. Like it's not, it's not, you know, it's not without risk to get in the car and go somewhere, right? And having that responsibility can be a little scary. Yep. If they don't have a reason to do it because they hang out with their friends virtually online. Yeah. You, you die in a game and you respawn and yeah, you're good keep to going. Go. Yeah. And they didn't um, have to leave the safety of their home. Uh, you know, the kind of the the interesting thing too is where I know we're headed with technology and like you know everybody's excited about metaverse and what that means um or web3 or I don't know names are far from settled obviously but um what's cool about that is like the the way that that connectedness happens like so right now at best right like I can use my com- my computer pc mac whatever and that's my medium to connect or my phone or uh, my Oculus, for example. I can log in and, and meet with them in VR. Um, you know, getting back to like, you know, snaps glasses, right? Like that being able to have an AR um, experience with your friends who don't live anywhere near you now means I I get to hang out with them in person like without them ever actually being here. It's kind of neat when you think about it. Like, that's such a small point of view of where we're headed, obviously. Like, it's hard to really imagine yeah. that future, but like... Well, back in the day, you know, you used to you used to get on your bike if, if you had one and you'd go door to door to your friend's house and 
occasionally you'd hit like the two or three friends that live nearby and knock on their door and you know, they were busy and couldn't come out. Now you go online and if you have 50 friends, you yeah, know, it's, you're all on a discord server, you're you know, on chatting yeah, while you're, you're chatting playing a video and, game or, you know, I mean, it's really, it's really neat to think about like where, where, what our kids will get to see and what their kids will get to see because this technology is going to take a while to kind of flesh out. Well, and you know, when we were kids, I, the technology gives them a lot more and not even kids, adults, um, because we're talking, we're talking Gen X, Gen Z and millennials yeah. and, you know, Gen as an X, elder millennial, like yeah. I, I feel like I've bridged a lot of, you know, advancement. yeah, you're, you're I, I would love to think I was still a kid, but I'm, I'm not a kid and I, I fall feel like into, a kid. <laughs> I feel, I feel like I, I fall into that and I keep saying kids. So that's not, that's not accurate, but the tools that you have to, to play with in that virtual metaverse world is way more attractive than when we were little and had to go outside. And I know that, you know, the older folks, people that would be our parents or grandparents probably don't understand it a whole lot. But when I was a kid, I had to pretend the stick was my lightsaber or my gun or my bow and arrow or whatever it was. And it was, it was kind of a stick and that, that kind of, I, we made do and, but it was kind of lame. Now, like you go in this virtual world and you can have whatever you want. Well, the cool thing is that you can drive whatever car you want, fly around in the Millennium Falcon. You can do whatever, yeah. whatever you want. It's, well, the, it's incredible. The imagination that we had to use actually fueled that innovation to make an actual lightsaber that you could play with. You know, like you couldn't make it then. But, you know, uh, what's the like the TikTok stuff, right? Like. I'm now an adult and I have access to adult money, right? Right. <laughs> which which well, means I get to have things like this. Well, I get to make things like this. Right. But, you know, as as, you know, somebody in that virtual world, you know, that imagination's still there. You just get to take it further. You mm-hmm. know, your imagination can build, you know, that outfit, that digital asset, or you can piece together what your avatar is going to look like and you can design your own world or create your own house or any of that stuff. And, you know, your fort used to be a bush that you hid behind sometimes. Yeah. And now you can build a fort and you can be in there. And if your friends are all stuck at home, they can still play with you because it's all online. Yeah. So I think the bigger worry where people are going to get hung up on it is the access of, information like when we were younger we didn't have so much information access that we do now yeah so keeping the the bad influences are going to be a little bit tougher but it's it's a tough one it's it's always going to be that give and take like i don't want to take away the ability for my kids to do the stuff they can do now that i couldn't even dream of you know they can create things build things sell nfts start their own business online they can do all these things that are just crazy cool that you couldn't do when when we were younger and even though that's only been just a short time ago and they have the ability to do all of that there are i unfortunately some bad actors out there but i guess that's where you know you have to keep an eye on what's happening in the world and what your kids are getting involved in be a part of it still yeah i think that's kind of the keys like don't be afraid of the technology like you need to understand it and you need to help your kids understand it so they can be aware of it and navigate it because the like take you can give your kids a phone 
or you can choose to be that parent that doesn't provide a phone for them until they're, you know, 16 or 18 or whatever it is that you, I mean, we see those parents all the time, right? Like you go out in the environment or in the real world, I mean, and, uh, there's parents that are like, yeah, I'm not, I don't agree with that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but the the reality is this is the world the kids are like growing up in. And if you take that stuff from them, like you're only hindering their ability to exist in that future yeah. world instead of teaching them and working with them and trying to figure out how to exist in that world, you know, as they yeah. grow up. Well, there's a, I think, you know, as technology comes along, you have to understand the, the give and take. So mm-hmm. when I used to come home, when my parents worked, um, you know, they called us latchkey kids. There was nobody who watched us walk home. I had a, a key to my house and I was in my house alone for long periods of time. I didn't think about it. It was just normal back then. But the, the idea that, you know, I was a, I was a, I was a child that lived in my house all alone with no, no supervision whatsoever is, is terrifying as an adult now, but I didn't think twice about it because I was a kid. But nowadays, that same technology that sometimes brings a little bit of scariness brings you some security. I know where I, I, I know where my family is if if I want to. It's not that I distrust them. It's more about feeling good that I can go, oh, okay, my daughter should be home now. I can see if she's at the house and know that she's there and not stuck yeah. somewhere else. Well, we're, we can be connected even if can, we're not physically and together. And we can be connected even though we're not physically together. So those are some, and and that could be in that virtual world too. So it's kind of it's kind I of mean, those technologies are really it's making been things easier. Really, really useful to have all of that. Like when COVID hit and everybody got locked down. Exactly. I mean, we couldn't go out and play. Where everybody was afraid, especially in the beginning. Like everybody was afraid. They didn't know. Well, what and that's a good point. Happen. Like that's probably why this stuff is like really. Booming. really booming yeah. right now is it was already headed that direction beforehand but then you take away the ability to have that physical connection with people um and now you have this virtual world where you can do pretty much anything mm-hmm. and you can be together so that that's actually you know a very valid point right now and i i think in in a lot of ways you know as covid's kind of gone away you hope that things go back to normal but there's still a lot of places that are asking you to mask up and have social distancing or still limit yeah. the amount of people Years after into their the initial you know, facility, their store or business or whatever. So, and you know, I don't know when that'll go away. Um, I certainly don't want to get into the politics of that, but you know, you see that still happening that, and it's continuing those on. Those events shape who you are as you're growing up. Yep. And so, you know, you spent a couple of years locked down and now you prefer to be in a virtual world than a physical world. Yeah. Because the physical world's scary. You get diseases and you know, <laughs> car wrecks or whatever. Car wrecks yeah. And physical world, you know, you just you respawn and keep going. So I, I think with that, thanks for coming on today. Um sure. for everyone else. Uh this was, you know, Kristen and hopefully she's gonna join us for more shows. Uh, I certainly appreciate you joining us today. Please check out the socials below and we'll talk to you next time.